We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Well, hello, everyone. <coughs> right. I, um, I, feel, I feel quite emotional and uh, that's just me. I've realised that I'm just an emotional person and I have to, I have to embrace it at the age of 32. Um, so see past all that. What I want to do is I want to read a little passage from uh, the Bible. I feel like that's probably a good place to start. Um, and then I'm going to pray because I really appreciated that prayer. But um, yeah, I'm going to pray and then... <laughs> There's a few things he left out that I just want to... This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Cool. I'll try one more time and then we'll go hang out. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Our Lord, I thank you that you're... Your word is alive and living. Lord, I thank you that, as your word says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And Lord God, I just pray that you speak to us this morning. I thank you that you are already speaking to different ones of us. And yes, Lord, I pray that not my will be done, but your will be done this morning, Lord. Amen. So... The reason I'm sharing today is because something happened to me that's never happened before. And I had a dream that I was sharing from this passage of the Bible. So it's Philippians chapter 4. And it talks, focuses on the idea of being anxious for nothing. And I felt like God was t- telling me, you've got something to share on anxiety that, that, that needs to be heard. And I got really excited by this because I was like, I woke up and I was like, wow. I think God just spoke to me in a dream. And I got really excited and uh, I contacted Jamie, said, look, I think I've got this to share. And he said, cool, we'll put you in for April the 3rd. And it's April the 10th today. So basically what happened was almost as soon as I contacted Jamie, I was just hit by anxiety. And for me, when I get anxious, I, I stop sleeping. And when I stop sleeping, I get a bit emotional. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of how we're here. But it was really interesting. So I got so anxious to the point that I actually pushed it back a week, which is why I'm now speaking on April the 10th and not April the 3rd. But it's been a real, real uh, challenge, but also like an encouraging time because God's speaking to me. And I think that as he's speaking to me, he wants to speak to us also. So, when I think about, what is it about anxiety? It's a word that is shared a lot. And I'm actually a patron for a charity called Anxiety UK. So, I travel up and down the country. I speak at 
schools and colleges and businesses and in all sorts of places about what anxiety is and what kind of maybe procedures or things that we can put in place to deal with it. And I've experienced anxiety a lot in my life and I think the thing with anxiety is fear can be quite tangible. So if you're scared of something, usually, for me anyway, if I'm scared about something, I can usually like pinpoint the thing that's making me scared. Not that that necessarily gets rid of it, but at least I know where, what my fear is aimed at. Anxiety kind of, I'm just speaking from personal experience, it, oper it operates in a grey area. So it just kind of makes everything a little bit vague for me. It just gives me a sense of unease, just I'm on edge. And what I realise it does is it grabs at my identity and it, I think it tries to take everything that God has called me to be and just make me, try and make me doubt that. And so I think, I believe God has made me to be a communicator. But then I've found in recent years particularly, every time I have an opportunity to communicate, I get very anxious. And those thoughts tell me, you can't do that. That's not who you are. You are shy. <coughs> this just reminds me of my wedding. When I tried to do my, when I tried to do my wedding speech, I've got some friends here that were there, I just cried the whole way through. And it was, it was really annoying, because I, I, I really don't want to cry. So I really do want you to see through the tears, but just probably ignore me if I do. But it really tries to get at who God's made me to be and tries to grab my identity in Christ and put it somewhere else in this kind of just weird grey area that stops me from doing anything. And that's kind of like how I just see anxiety kind of take, take, take and try and take away what God has for me. So the passage that I read from is written by the Apostle Paul it's his letter to the Philippians, a church that he helped found in Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece. And he's writing a letter of encouragement to these people. He wants to encourage them in their faith. And the weird thing is he's sitting in prison while he's writing this letter of encouragement to these people who are free. Other kind of references and different parts of the letter suggest that he feels that he could potentially be executed while he's in prison. He's not sure, but he's kind of like, he's in, he's in prison for preaching the gospel, for doing what he feels God has for him to do. And he thinks there's quite a strong chance that he could get executed while he's, while he's sitting in there. And in that situation, he is writing a letter of encouragement to other people. I find that very challenging, because when I feel really anxious, I just think about myself. I just think about how can I protect myself? How can I preserve myself and make sure that I'm okay? Because I maybe trick myself and say, well, if I'm not okay, how am I going to be able to help anyone else? But Paul, he starts from a different, he starts from a different place. He's not looking inwards, he's looking outwards. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but from what I can work out, the definition of the word Paul uses for anxious could be translated into being unduly concerned, concern that is disproportionate, that is 
over the top in reference to what is actually happening. Now, he uses that same verb in a positive sense at other parts in the, in the letter. So when he's talking about Timothy, who's one of his disciples, he says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And that concern is, is the same word, the same kind of root word that he uses for anxious. So from that, I don't think Paul's saying that we shouldn't be concerned about anything. When he says be anxious for nothing, he's not saying don't concern yourselves with anything, but it's that unduly concern, that disproportionate, that excessive concern that starts to grab at everything else. He's talking about anything that becomes bigger to you than the truth that God is good and God is able. So when I allow anxiety to take control of me, I forget that God is who he says he is, who he has shown himself to be throughout my life. And it usually goes pretty bad at that point. So I don't have like, I don't think I have any like really amazing points or like any kind of real light bulb moments. I just really felt that God had for me to go through those four verses and see what, what God is, 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 is telling us rather than me trying to work it out myself. And I, I want to believe that God's going to be speaking as, as I do that. So, like I said, what, what is it that's so detrimental about anxiety? When I'm anxious, my, my priorities, my investments of energy, uh, attention, anything, all goes towards myself. I can't think about others. I'm not in my right mind. My needs take precedence over yours because I'm in that self preservation mode. I can't live out who God has called me to be. And like I say, anxiety, it kind of can be that vague greyness. It can just be this feeling of being on edge. And maybe for some people, they can see the root, maybe others can't. But at the same time, it's taken us away from who God's called us to be. But my usual reaction when I get anxious is, um, God, where are you? What's going on? Why do I feel like this? Please, come on, help me, help me out. I do a bit of like, woe is me, you know, I feel so sorry for myself and get a bit annoyed and just, just end up trying to kind of like, just get through it. But that's not where Paul tells us to start. The first, the first thing he says is, rejoice in the Lord. And he actually says it twice. He says, you know, he really wants us to get that. Rejoice in the Lord. And I think that is the start of our basis for not being anxious. Because life is challenging. Life can be difficult. Um, different personality types can lead to different challenges and different struggles for, for different people. And I was really encouraged just hearing Fernando as he was sharing, talking about his work situation. I think he said the work situation didn't really change, but something in you changed. But work might be challenging, you know, but there's something that God has for us. And if we start in that place of rejoicing in the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't use the word rejoice very much. Uh, it's not part of my, um, my lingo. Uh, but what does it mean to rejoice? I think it's about knowing that we belong to Jesus, that he's our Lord, our Saviour. But he's our, our treasure. I couldn't think of a, a better word than treasure. 
living in that truth that there is nothing outside of Jesus that is more deep or pure or sweet or just everlasting than what Jesus has. Nothing the world has to offer can trump that. Now, what do I do if I don't feel like that? Because I think pretty much any time in my life I could, I, could, I could say that and part of me would believe it, but maybe I don't like feel like it. So what do I do? I'm really anxious, but I, I can't bring myself to that place. I don't think it's about drumming up something in my mind or, I don't know, sticking positive thoughts all over my house or, or something to try and trick myself into viewing something, viewing it differently. I can't, I can't change my mind. But I can choose to remind myself that there is someone who can hold back the seas, who placed the stars in the sky. And I can choose, I can either choose to focus on how I feel, what's taking up all my mental and emotional energy, or I can choose to focus on who I know Jesus to be. I can look at things that he's done in my life subjectively, personal testimony, but I can also look at who he is and who I've known him to be objectively. I can choose to believe that he is who he says he is. And I've found that when I make that my starting point, something else rises up. It helps me to see my anxious thoughts in the context of who God is. Because when I'm just like drawn into this anxious state, that's the big thing. That's the big thing. But when I step back, put it in the context of God, I'm going to choose to find my place, my joy in who you are. There's a kind of, there's a shift there. God's designed me to rejoice in him. That's what I've been made for. Now, sometimes that will come quite naturally and that will be what I find myself wanting to do. A lot of the times it hasn't come that naturally. But actually, if I choose to commit to that and say, God, this is where I'm going to place my faith, there's life there. He meets us there. Rody shared a couple of weeks back about um, going to the worship evening um, a few weeks ago. And, but she'd spent all day scrolling on the news and just seeing what was going on in Ukraine and just feeling pretty hopeless. Like, that's kind of what I took from it. And I felt that, okay, I'm going to just drag myself to this worship evening because maybe I should be there. I'm going to force praise to come from my mouth. But she shared as she turned to him and as she saw him, she saw that praising him is what she was designed for. And it flowed out of her. She made a choice to put herself in that place and God met her there. So rejoice in the Lord. That is something that we can do. Then it goes on to say, let your gentleness be known to all men. When I'm anxious, I'm the opposite of gentle to others. Like I said, I put my needs above everyone else's. It's not that I hate people, but it's that the focus is on me. But it's interesting that Paul says, rejoice, take that, take that stance of saying, Lord, I find my joy in you, in who you are. 
who you've shown yourself to be. And at that point, I can actually start to look outwards rather than looking inwards. Gentleness is the opposite of being self-focused, self-preserving, all of that stuff. It's showing that care, kindness. It's putting others before myself. And I think that that's why I see anxiety being such a, such a tool of the enemy um, to, for us to find our identity. And I, I'm speaking from personal experience, finding my identity. Well, well I'm an anxious person. That's, that's who I am. I have anxiety. So I can't really look outwards. That's a lie. That's a lie that I've, at times in my life, chosen to believe. God actually has made me to be gentle, to put others before myself. Then the next bit, I wasn't particularly comfortable with, if I'm honest. So I'm at verse 5. So yeah, verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Again, what what does the Lord is at hand mean? We've been... I've been hearing different things this morning, but he's near. God is near. He's at the gates. He's ready to break in whenever he pleases. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Am I really that certain about the the nearness of God? Because if I knew that he was near, that he was at hand, that repositions these anxious thoughts that I'm having. My need to try and be the Lord of my own life, to preserve myself, to be in control of all situations. My basis for not being anxious is not because life is going to go swimmingly, life is going to go incredibly easy. It's because the Lord is at hand. He's right here. He's near to us. That changes things. Emmanuel, God with us. And I, I really want to challenge us and encourage us, including myself. Do I, am I really choosing to believe that God is near? He's at hand. Because if he is, that changes everything. Then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Supplication isn't a word we regularly hear. But supplication is, it's a call for help. It's a real like position of humility, of pleading. There's a, there's like a desperate nature to supplication. Anxiety can make us feel desperate. And that's okay. But we have a loving Father that we can take that desperation to. And the Bible's littered with prayers of of supplication and and stories of people turning to God in in times of of real, 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 real challenge. Psalm 7 verse 1. This is David writing and he says, Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. David's crying out to God. There's a genuine need there. There are are people actually pursuing him. There are people after him. But he takes that 
to God. He doesn't wallow in that and say, well, I'm done for. He knows he has a father that is ready to take his desperate plea. And Jesus shows the ultimate example of that, that prayer of supplication when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and, he, and he's, he's struggling with knowing what he's about to go through in, in, in sacrificing his life. And it says, Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from you, from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Supplication is it's about crying out to God and trusting that he will hear our cries, but ultimately coming to that place of, God, this is what I want. You've told me to ask. I want what you want. So when it says, when Paul says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, he says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Thanksgiving, it's not about pretending that we don't feel how we feel. It's about recognising who God is. If I ask with thanksgiving, I'm coming from a place of, God is so good and I actually don't, I don't deserve his love anyway. He doesn't owe me anything. And for that, but he still pours out and has continued to pour out his love on me. And that is a place of safety. I can tell God how I feel. He can take it. But also, there's, there's a part that sounds really obvious, but like I actually always miss, particularly in my times of anxiety. He says, let your requests be made known to God. I think so much. When I've get, got into my, my different states, have I actually presented my request to God? Have I actually asked God? Or have I chosen or been sucked into just dwelling in that anxious place and taking that on as my anxiety, as my identity, sorry. Taking that anxiety on as my identity. We have to ask God. Give thanks cry out. He can take how we feel. He knows what we're going through, whether it's um, just a mental state of struggle, if there is an actual real life situation. He knows. He calls us to cry out and ask. And that's so obvious to me as I say it, but I often miss that part and just sort of be like, oh, where are you? Come on, what's going on? But actually asking, and as I ask, trusting that just as Jesus prayed, that not just my will, but God's will be done. Then he, he, he summarizes this part of the, the passage with saying, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Maybe somewhat annoyingly, he doesn't say, ask and everything will be sorted. Just ask and everything will be fine. You know, skip off happily into the horizon or whatever it might be. No, no, no. That's not what he says. He says as we do this, as we turn our focus to asking, to pleading, to thanking, recognising who God is, we can actually expect our hearts and minds to be guarded by the peace of God. Because God is the God of peace. It's not that our problems disappear. Remember, Paul is writing this from prison with possible execution looming over his head. 
he experienced the peace of God. The human response to anxiety might be to work out with our mind how to avoid how the bad things, avoid these bad things that cause us stress. So when I think of my life, for many years I've, I've actually made my career as like a performer, as like choosing to like step out onto the stage and perform. And uh, sometimes I think, why did I put myself through that? Um, and I've had all sorts. I've had pillows thrown at me. I've been, uh, I've been booed. I've been cheered as well every now and then. But uh, sometimes my, um, my biggest fears have come to life when I've been standing on stage. Uh, and often, even, even today, I didn't sleep well last night. I was very anxious, believe it or not, about sharing this morning. What are the chances? And, uh, but as I was uh, awake... I was, all these thoughts were in my mind of, you can't do this, this isn't who you are. You should just let the more confident, the wiser, the, the braver, whoever, let them do it. You don't need to do this. Nick, you actually asked to do this. <laughs> Why are you putting yourself through this? This is not who you are. And therefore, my human response could be like, yeah, actually, I'm, just, I'm never going to do this again. Um, I'm going to re remove all possible scenarios which might cause anxiety for me. But I think if I did that, all that would happen is it would show itself somewhere else. It would just, it would just morph into something else. Paul is saying that if we turn to God, the way to deal with anxiety is through experiencing God's peace. Again, this isn't some sort of, I don't know, act, mental kind of exercise to do. Like, do this, say this. You know, No, no, there's something that only God can do. But I have to come to him. The peace of God will guard my heart. That's my feelings and my mind. That's my thoughts from the things that shouldn't be there. Maybe I won't sleep very well. I don't know. Maybe the thing that is causing me worry, maybe it will just as bad as I imagined it to be. But I can experience God's peace. And actually, I can think of numerous times where I really, really have experienced that. But what I see the enemy trying to do is try and make me forget those things. Which is why we have to start by rejoicing in the Lord. Peace between us and God was bought through Jesus' death and resurrection. In Christ, we have peace with God. I'm not making this up. This is real. This is available for us. Chris is going to come share the story and some thoughts with us. Do you want to grab the mic? So, um, and, uh, I gave him a bit of testimony about uh, when we were... I don't know if anyone knows, but we were, we've adopted two children and um, it was an interesting ride. And leading into that, uh, the run-up was a very interesting time in my life and there are plenty of testimonies where I didn't always have peace and I just thought it was important to say that. <laughs> this isn't like, oh, you know, there was a lot of times where there wasn't peace, but there was very clear example 
right towards the end of that process where there was. And uh, when we started looking into adoption, we found uh, a charity called Corum who were running this thing called Duly Approved, which um, basically means children that are known to social services or parents that are known to social services that have had maybe children taken away from them before or um, midwives have picked up that things might not be quite as they should be. Um, what can happen is that the social services can then um, put in place people that are duly approved as both foster carers and then potential adopters. And what that means is that when children get taken into care, uh, the initial stage of that is on an emergency care order, which basically means um, we've got to get the kids out of, out of a potentially dangerous situation immediately. Um, and then some work is done and an assessment's written and then it goes before the courts and a decision will be made whether the child will go back to parents with support or go on for adoption. Um, and normally, foster carers are found for children that are emergency care ordered into care. And then, when a decision has been made, adopters will be found. And there's a potential disruption between the foster family and the adopters. And when we were looking into it, we wanted and felt that we wanted to get involved with children as early as possible and to avoid having that disruption that can be very traumatic, as you can well imagine. And we felt that getting involved with kids at the earliest possible stage is the best way. And so did Corum. So we trained. And the risk, of course, is that you we take on the risk of if if the courts decide that uh, best, the best outcome for the child is to go back to family or another member of a family, which is what happened to us, the potential of, um, then you have to then relinquish your child back. So you take, on a, you take on that risk. And uh, it was a long lead up to, to, to getting a potential placement. And there was a few uh, scenarios that uh, children that were potential options that didn't end up happening for one reason or another. And we were on the waiting list for quite a while before, about a year after being approved. And We had an email for Macy come through and we really felt we heard God say this one, this is the one. And we went ahead and everything was very smooth and quite quickly we, were, we met her and ended up fostering her. And while we were fostering her, 
the courts quite like, if they can, to keep a child within the family, and they will look at, um, if they will ask, is there any other potential relatives? And while they will do, try and do that as much as possible before the child is born, that doesn't always happen. And what happened to us was that um, a, a brother of a parent put his name forward. And then there's a six, quite a long process <laughs> of assessment that they would then have to go through. Um, and we slept quite well. <laughs> we slept quite well. I don't know why. Um, and towards the end of that process, we had a few meetings with... Um, with our social worker and um, a person that would manage contact between Macy and their, their a parent that she was having. We had two different meetings and both of them, those people, the social worker particularly sat us down at one point and said, you, you do realise that there is a potential risk that Macy could be and they felt that they had to reiterate that with us because what, what, what was how we were was not conveying to them that we fully understood the gravity of the situation. And the, the reason that was because we were at peace and we were asleep in the boat when we really should have potentially, as the world would think, not have peace. Um, but we did have peace because we had heard. And we didn't know. It's not like we did. We God didn't say, yeah, she's definitely going to stay with you. He just said, yeah, this one. And so we were like, well, okay. And if, if she ends up leaving us, God, we trust that, that your grace is sufficient for our need. And it will be okay. But I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to worry about today. And we had heard and we had acted faithfully. Both the social worker and, as I say, the, the person that um, was responsible for doing contact time were quite shocked at the levels of peace that we were experiencing. My dad did not experience the same level of peace and had quite a serious experienced a nick and did not sleep for quite a long period of time. But we were at peace and I feel it's important. The kingdom of God is near. It is real. You can experience a peace that transcends all understanding. I just want to... Well, just about got enough time. I want to read a section from Hebrews there remains therefore there remains therefore a rest for the people of God for he who entered his rest has himself ceased ceased from his works as God did from his 
Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example of disobedience. You might know this bit. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces even the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And I think, I think there is something that God wants to do for, for people today where what, God, what Nick was saying about it's okay to be concerned, but worry isn't. And I think, I think there are people that are feeling God on, on their heart at the moment that he wants to meet you in that. So just as I come to conclude, like I said, we can't just make this real to ourselves. It's about allowing God to show us this truth. And the last thing I want to do is condemn anyone who's feeling anxious. Um, We can't change how we feel. Only the Spirit can make this true for us. So just as I'm coming to an end, a few responses could be, are you able to rejoice in the Lord? Do you know who Jesus is, what he has done, what that means? There's an opportunity to submit and experience that joy that knowing that we are loved by him brings. Maybe for some of us, for the very first time. So that could be something to respond to. And like Paul doesn't promise that all our situations that cause anxiety will disappear, but he says we can know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But what we need to do is ask first, make our requests known to God. Is there anything that you feel that you want to cry out to God for? Or you might be thinking, God, I want to see whatever it is that I'm feeling, what I'm going through in the context of who you are, what you've done, what you are doing, and what you are going to do. So you may just want to call out to God and ask, Lord, let me see you in the midst of where I'm at. I'm just going to pray in them. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us in our, in, our, in our anxious thoughts, our anxious ways, Lord. Lord, I thank you that as we turn to you, as we choose to place our joy in you, as we call out to you, plead with thanksgiving that through your son Jesus Christ we can know your peace. 
I pray that that becomes real for us today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. You are so, so good. So mighty. So awesome. And you are our loving Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK. Thank you.